security? There's a ton of content out there, and if you don't know where to start, it can be overwhelming, even paralyzing. So let's fix that. Welcome to Simply Cyber, a community of tens of thousands of aspiring and active cybersecurity professionals focused on networking, knowledge sharing, and professional development. I'm Dr. Gerald Dozier, Chief Content Creator at Simply Cyber, inviting you to get the answers to your cybersecurity problems with hundreds of cybersecurity videos answering your frequently asked questions, interviewing industry experts, and live streaming daily cyber threat briefings hosted by me. Now get the stories and insights you won't find anywhere else. Hit subscribe now and dig into all the fresh content on the channel and in the community. Nothing should stop you from launching and leveling up your cybersecurity career today. All right, good morning, folks. Welcome to the show. Give me one hot minute here as I'm operating out of the mobile studio here in Las Vegas live. Good morning, everybody. Today is Friday, August 11th, 2023. Super pumped to be here with you. This is episode number 428 of the Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Briefing Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Gerald Dozier. And over the next 45 minutes, me, you, Sublime Ghost, Nicole Hewitt, Team LineCon, Chrissy K, Marcus Seiler, John De La Cruz, Kuma Miracle, those on the East Coast, those on the West Coast, Las Vegas bound y'all, LinkedIn, YouTube, squad members, community, long timers and first timers. We're all gonna be shredding the top cybersecurity news stories of the day. And I'll be giving my expert opinion and analysis on each of those stories on what it means to you as a practitioner. So how can you operationalize this today at work or if you're standing in LineCon talking with other cybersecurity professionals today at DEFCON, you can be like, what's up? Did you hear about XYZ? Believe me, it adds value. And if you're looking to break into the industry, you will be asked in any job interview, how do you stay current on industry topics and concepts? The Daily Cyber Threat Brief Podcast is a phenomenal answer. And I say that with all the you know, objectivity and humility that I can have. Um, it's not just because it's my podcast. It literally, believe me, guys, what we're doing here is uh, meaningful. E even yesterday myself, I did a bunch of interviews with a bunch of people, and I was like pulling contact context from the stories we covered on yesterday's stream during my initial proof of life video. But it's good. We're having a great time. Just a reminder, I do not review or research any of the stories that we're going to be going through today. You're getting my honest initial reaction and response of these stories. So it's going to be a good time. I promise that y'all. <clears throat> if you are with us and you need CPEs, continuing continuous pro professional education credits, the each daily cyber threat briefing podcast episode is worth half a CPE. So what does that mean to you? Well, it stacks, right? So it's half today, two and a half for the week, 10 for the month, 40 for the quarter. It's or 30 for the quarter. It stacks up so be sure to say what's up in chat. It's probably the easiest way to make sure you like take roll call that you're here. Uh, say what's up, take a screenshot, move on. How can you do that? If you don't know what to say, do hashtag team live in chat. I see some people 
DMing me here in chat. Yes, that's right, James McQuiggan, my man. <clears throat> so uh, say hashtag team live in chat if you want. Always good to see all of y'all. I know uh, 5 a.m. starts tough for some of us, this guy included. My throat's like blown out. Um, we can get into that at the jaw jacking segment if you got time. If you're watching on replay, hashtag team replay. Met a lot of replay people uh, in the in the concourses yesterday. Great, great to meet you all, and I'm glad that uh, you know team replay are people too, right? So, get out of here with that noise. What are we doing? What are we doing? Hold on, I've got. Oh, I put it in the wrong spot. Let's do this. All right, then I just want to tell people if it is your first time on stream. I, this is not a prop microphone. This is a real microphone I'm speaking into, <laughs> unlike yesterday. Uh, if it's your first time on the stream, you know, ha drop a hashtag first timer in chat, please. I would love to know that it's your first time. I'd love to personally welcome you onto the stream and wish you that you have a good experience. I got chat over here. I got the sun rising back here. So we're going to have a great show for you. I got the coffee right here, obviously. <laughs> uh, before we get into it, I do want to say shout out and thanks to the stream sponsors, starting with Barricade Cyber Solutions. Barricade Cyber Solutions is dedicated to helping businesses from cyber attacks and recover from the damage done. Cyber attacks can cause massive issues for businesses and send dedicated, hardworking business owners into turmoil. But guess what, y'all? Barricade Cyber Solutions knows how to mitigate the damage done by cyber incidents. You better believe it. If you are dealing with ransomware, business email compromise, hot mess express, whatever it is, Eric Taylor and the gang over at Barricade Cyber can certainly help your company um, dig out of that nonsense and uh, really make management feel a little bit better that <clears throat> they are, you know, it's going to be okay, right? It's like when your kid skins their knee and you're like, you know, you're like, ah, you know, you help them take care of it, make them feel better, then you give them a hug. That's what Barricade Cyber is for your business, right? Like your business gets ransomware. <laughs> they give you a hug, then they put a Band-Aid on You know, they clean out the ransomware. They put a Band-Aid on it. They tell you it's going to be okay. There's an emotional impact, and there's a operational impact. So check them out, BarricadeCyber.com. Not all heroes wear capes, if you know what I'm saying. Also want to say shout-out and love to Panopsi Security, Brandon Poole's gang over there. I love Panopsi Security. They do great work, including helping organizations and information security offices, frankly, get their crap straightened out. So what does that mean? If you are responsible for information security at your business, and let's be honest, I'm not, I'm not pointing fingers or anything, but if you're responsible for InfoSec, but you don't have a plan, you're just kind of like going in, being reactive, you know, putting this fire out today, putting that fire out tomorrow, like whatever it is, if you don't have a strategy, if you don't have a direction, if you're not maturing your organization, cyber risk posture, then consider calling Panopsi Security. They can come in, they can do a quantified risk assessment, which will literally give you the information you need to understand the statistical likelihood of certain cyber adverse events happening. And then you can say, all right, here's our risk business, 18%, 40%, 90% chance of a ransomware incident next year. We are riding dirty, you know, and for X amount of capital, X amount of manpower, woman power, X amount of um, budget, we can reduce that risk to a level that I think is acceptable. What do you think, CFO? You can have those conversations. And then be warned, though, I will tell you, if you do get funded because you make a compelling argument using Panopsi's risk assessment, you do have to execute it on it then, right? It's You can't just like 
get the plan, get the budget, and then be like, I'm good here. Tacos, right? No, no, no. Now the work really begins, okay? So if you're interested in that, Panopsi Security can certainly help you with that. <clears throat> also want to say shout out and love to our third and final sponsor, Anti-Siphon Training, but more about them at the mid-roll. Guys, I'm super pumped. Uh, stay tuned. We got uh, Grayson's joke of the week um, at the mid-roll. Also, the sun will be rising with us. You can see Mandalay Bay right there in the background. So we are ready to rock with that here in Las Vegas. If you're going to DEF CON, high five, hollas. That's going to be all about good times as well. Uh, but do me a favor, sit back, relax. If I bumped into you yesterday, I'm glad to see you on stream as well. Mods, if there's any issue with my audio, let me know, obviously. Um, and guys, sit back, relax, and let's let the cool sounds of the hot news wash over us in an awesome wave. Oh, really? Hold on one second. Got a super chat coming in hot. All right, Riley Conway saying, hey, Jerry, I just recently landed my first information security. Hold on one second. You guys are crazy. Pushing chat up. I just landed my first InfoSec position after eight years in production support. I wanted to thank you and the community for all you have done to help me get, get me here. Well, Riley, congratulations to you. Obviously, the community is here to support. Super pumped for you, obviously. But, uh, you know, you put in the hard work, my friend. And now you get to reap those just rewards. Congratulations. I'm super excited for you. I hope you continue to stay uh, part of the Simply Cyber community and continue to get the, um, you know, part of the threat briefing and stay stay informed. But super, super happy for you. Congratulations. Uh, remind me of jawjacking to tell you about uh, one of the individuals of the community who I met yesterday. Um, and he told me a really candid thing. And uh, I thought it was really interesting. <clears throat> All right, so do me a favor, sit back, relax, and let's get into the hot news. Cybersecurity headlines. It's Friday, August 11th, 2023. CISA warns organizations of exploited vulnerability affecting .NET and Visual Studio. CISA has added a zero-day flaw affecting Microsoft's .NET and Visual Studio products to its known exploited vulnerabilities catalog and its government must-patch list. The vulnerability, tracked as CVE-2023-38180, was fixed by Microsoft with its August 2023 patch Tuesday updates, which also address CVE-2023-36884, an office vulnerability exploited by Russian threat actors. The 38180 vulnerability can be exploited for denial-of-service attacks, and Microsoft noted in its advisory that it is aware of malicious exploitation. No details are available on the attacks leveraging the vulnerability, and Microsoft's advisory reveals that remote exploitation is possible, and no user interaction or privileges are required. Oh, that's gross. Uh, this was like, all right, you know, whatever. Uh, <clears throat> this was like you know, I don't know, a jelly donut or something, you know, something kind of basic, a little bit of a little bit of sizzle, but nothing crazy. And then they drop Microsoft and <laughs> reveals remote exploitations possible without user interaction or privileges that becomes, you know, they just like dusted it with sprinkles or, you know, it's like some weird jam jelly that they stuck in the middle that you can only get at like a, a bougie donut restaurant. Um, that's not good guys. When you have no user interaction requirements, that means your entire human layer of defense does not matter anymore, which is not good, right? When we talk about people, process, and technology and securing those three dimensions for our programs and, you know, and systems and businesses, 
when you kneecap one of those three, <laughs> when you kneecap one of those three, that's not good for us. Okay, so this is really, really crappy. Um, Sissa, aka Jenny Easterly, in her directorial um, leadership, I li I think I literally just shoehorned Jenny Easterly's name in there just so the emotes I dropped, squad members, uh, could could get the Jenny Easterly emote in there. Um, have put this on the actively exploited list. So if you don't know, I, I do bring this up every time they <clears throat> they talk about it on the stream. The CISA organization, the U.S. Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, has really gone leaps and bounds to be more useful to the public sector and basically help inform where you should be focusing your security control efforts and, and your remediation uh, and response efforts. And this known exploited vulnerabilities catalog is one of those initiatives that I, I truly appreciate. So you got to remember, guys, the U.S. government has visibility into an A-load of active incidents going on. FBI gets contacted. GOJ gets contacted. CISA has, you know, sensors and people out there and report, you know, there's like um, volunteer reporting into CISA. So CISA has visibility. CISA has telemetry on what is being actively exploited, which means um, you can have a vulnerability, right? Like a system can be vulnerable, but just because it's vulnerable does not mean it's being exploited or can be exploited, right? You can have like a Windows XP machine, incredibly vulnerable, right? Like just gross, sticky, ew, vulnerable. But if it's not connected to anything and it's a lab, in a lab, <clears throat> it's not being exploited. You know what I'm saying? So there's a component to how bad is this? That is, what's the likelihood of exploitation? What's the impact of that exploitation, et cetera? By sticking it on CIS's known, known exploited vulnerabilities, known exploited, that means that there are exploits out there, whether be it POCs or only used by nation state threat actors, or it's on some Jack Wagon's GitHub page and anybody can download it. And, you know, <laughs> AKA, <clears throat> AKA Mirai Botnet back in the day, and frankly, in today. So if you see something that affects your organization on the known exploited list, you definitely should prioritize this. Now, this one really quickly has two elements. One into text.net uh, and the other is Visual Studio. So a lot of, you know, Carl isn't running Visual Studio, okay? So that's more of your IT slash dev teams. So <clears throat> if they're running Visual Studio, you know, make them aware. This was in the August 2020, a patch was in the August 2023 Windows roll-up patches. So if you're running a tight Windows shop, um, you're rolling out patches, you know, you will get this covered in that. I do want to point out one thing. And if you've been working in the industry for a while, um, I'm, I'm thinking of like BSEC right now. But if you're responsible for infrastructure at your organization or your organization's big enough that infrastructure is managed by IT or endpoint management, but you are excuse me, you are uh, buddies with those people. When you roll out the patches, you don't, don't give yourself, like, yes, you should be happy, okay? Yes, like, good job, we rolled it out. But rolling out patches organization-wide using some type of, like, you know, Avanti or SCCM or something like that, that's really only going to get, like, 80 to 90% of the Windows machines in your environment. You have to be mindful that there is a delta between all your windows machines and the ones that you're able to automatically patch what are you talking about jerry okay think of the sales guys who are off the network not connected back to the mothership think about you know the people in r d who have like special builds because they need to 
the, you know, they need speed or optimization. They can't they can't apply patches. Think about the window, the machines on the manufacturing floor that the vendors are like, you can't you can't change this configuration. It just doesn't work that way, right? You need to account for all the systems in your environment. So I feel like this is a this is just I don't know. I guess let's use the more you know emote, please, squad members. This is one of those ones where like if you didn't know any better. You would be like, oh, no, we roll patches out to everybody. August 2023 patch has been rolled out. But you, if you've lived it, you know that there's a gap between who gets the patch and all the Windows systems in your environment. And you just got to account for it or at a minimum account for it in your risk calculation, right? Maybe you don't fix it, but don't be blind to it. Don't stick your head in the sand. All right. So <clears throat> that's what's up with that. All right. Do I have a more you know? I <laughs> I guess we'll do that one. Dell Compellent hard-coded key exposes VMware vCenter admin creds. An unfixed hard-coded encryption key flaw in Dell's Compellent integration tools for VMware allows attackers to decrypt stored vCenter admin credentials and retrieve the clear text password. The flaw is caused by a static AES encryption key shared across all installs that is used to encrypt the vCenter credentials stored in the program's configuration file. Dell Compellent is a line of enterprise storage systems offering features such as data progression, live volume, thin provisioning, data snapshots and cloning, and integrated management. The software supports storage integration with VMware vCenter, a widely used platform for managing ESXi virtual machines. However, to integrate the client, it must be configured with the VMware vCenter credentials, which are stored in the Dell program's encrypted configuration file. DEFCON all right, hold on one second. So Nicole Hewlett, I just dropped a link to this in the chat. Uh, Frank, by the way, Frank asked if there was a solution for this 15%. Um, I mean, I, I rolled out a couple, Frank, like you can, you can have secure, I mean, there's a million, like not a million, but there's various different ways to solve for the, the extra Windows machines that are out there. You can have security champions embedded in those different organizations. You can put additional controls on those endpoints so you can have visibility or ratchet up the EDR on them. You can <laughs> you can put them in like the the naughty the naughty endpoint network segment and not allow them access to your internal network. Like it depends on your organization and what you know what's going on. So okay, <clears throat> um, so this next story. Can you see this? Uh, Dell basically has hard-coded keys. Not good. I'm <laughs> not good, bro. Um, so when you like, basically, with this story, they use AES 256 again. So AES is currently uh, unbreakable encryption. So when someone generates keys or does encryption in their solution and they have AES 256, that's one of the ones where they like pat themselves on the back because they're like, oh yeah, we're using top of the line unbreakable encryption. It's like that's great, but you can't. You cannot stick the private key. The, you can't hard code it into the solution. Now, I am not an expert on how to successfully introduce um, keys into environments in secure ways and make it work. But what I will say is when you hard code things like this, it's really not good because once it gets out, then you can use, there's a couple things here. One, because it's hard-coded, that means it, it works on all implementations, right? So if I steal it, dude, I mean, I don't even have to steal it, right? If I know this, I can just buy an instance of Dell Compellent or this um, 
VMware via ESXi chassis. I, I didn't exactly catch what they were talking about, this Dell's compellent integration tools. It, this instance, it's one thing, but in the bigger, grander, more generic picture, like if you hard code creds, then I as a bad guy can go buy the solution like a normal, you know, person and then just pull the hard keys out. And now I've got the keys, right? If they're hard coded and they're accessible, that's not good. Plus, in a academic textbook implementation of a PKI solution, PKI is hard, by the way. It's public key infrastructure. It's public private key. It's asymmetric uh, keys. And it, it allows you to do a lot more than symmetric key encryption. Symmetric being, um, I, I, I uh, take an Excel spreadsheet, password protect it. The password is Carl, right, with three L's. And then I send it to Nicole Hewlett and I say, Nicole, the password's Carl with three L's, right? That's symmetric. Um, I mean, that's not really symmetric encryption, but like that, it's a shared password, right? It's the same for all instances. Whereas asymmetric with public private key, you can do a lot more. You can do digital signing, forcing non-repudiation. You can encrypt it in transit. You can encrypt it and digitally sign it. But one of the best parts about PKI is that you can revoke keys, right? If they get compromised, if they get out, just like this one, right? So in reality, what they should do is revoke this key. But I don't know if the way that this solution was architected is dependent on this hard-coded key, then, you know, you can't just revoke the key because then you're going to brick all, or break all these different solutions. So not super sure. Um, yeah, Steve Mountain wants to know, if it's a batch of this solution or if it's all instances of solution, I did not catch it. Um, I guess all I would say for TLDR people is that if you are, if you yell, if yell, if you use Dell's compellent integration tools for VMware, you will want to investigate this. I'm sure Dell has some type of advisory or, you know, note to the end user population on what to do or how to handle it. Um, it's very difficult for me at this time to give you a risk calculation. What's up, GRC? How are you doing? Oh, I'm good. Thank you. It's very hard for me to give you a risk calculation because I don't understand. Like, just because you get the keys, like, is that a full compromise of the thing? Is it a partial compromise? Can you just do some things with that key? Or is it is it like keys to the kingdom, right? I, I don't know this product, so it's very difficult for me to understand um, that, that the impact of this one. Leon Elliott, when implementing the GRC framework, what steps do you perform? When, at what stage do you perform a gap analysis? Uh, all right, well, ask me that at jawjacking. It, I mean, it depends what framework you're using, right? But if you're using the NIST 837RMF, it would be in between stages um, four and five because the gap analysis is how you would inform the authority. Authorizing official on what the actual risk is that they're doing. Thousands of security researchers vie to outsmart AI in Las Vegas. Attendees of the annual hacking conference in Las Vegas will have 50 minutes each at one of 156 laptops to deceive, probe, and steal information from AI chatbots in the largest ever public exercise aimed at discovering the security weaknesses of large language models. Participants in the event will be randomly assigned a model from one of the participating firms which includes Microsoft, Meta, NVIDIA and OpenAI and will be provided with a list of challenges from which they can choose including prompt hacking, security, information integrity, internal consistency and societal harm.
Winners of the event are expected to be announced Sunday at the conclusion of the conference, but the full results of the red teaming exercise are not expected to be released until February. All Potent. Right. Shall we play a game? <laughs> all right. So first of all, it is, you know, Black Hat. It, it's summer, Hacker Summer Camp Week. So, of course, there's some story about Black Hat talks and DEF CON initiatives, which, by the way, I love. I love, I love, I love. Dude, when when we were coming up in like the late '90s, early 2000s, it was like fringe. Like you'd talk about things at DefCon, and it'd be like fringe, anti-establishment, you know, crap. And now, you know, industry is coming to DefCon with challenges and asking these innovative, out of the box, uh, offensive security professionals to apply their thinking and um, really speak to their um, desire to break things and challenge and harnessing it in a way that is for the greater good of society. So I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, we'll see what's going on. Uh, you know, I, AI Village, it's the first year they're doing this. Um, Jason Haddix is involved with AI Village. Uh, there's someone else. Um, oh, damn it. Somebody was telling me. I, I talked to a lot of people yesterday. There, there's some big. There's some big people in the industry that are not necessarily like big uh, public personas that are linked to AI Village and the efforts of AI Village uh, and really like AI in general. And, and um, you know, I'm just, I'm just a huge fan. I will be at AI Village later today. I'm gonna go to Red Team Village today. Um, and AI Village is like a sub village inside of AI Village. So uh, I'll be there for the most of the day. Uh, and because I wanna check this out, I think AI uh, as I've said multiple times on the show, is we live in the AI age. Right? Like, whether we like it or not, we were in the information age and then we were abruptly thrust into the AI age back in March. So um, this is no, in my opinion, this is no different than other initiatives that are crowdsourced offensive security people, such as, you know, hack a satellite, hack the Pentagon, um, you know, like car hacking village back in the day, like three, four, five, six years ago. Um, when car hacking wasn't really popular or mainstream yet, DEFCON had the car hacking village and you could like hack a, a, a car and do all those things. And it was like really, really impactful. And now if you look at it, car hacking village is like a standard practice, like car hacking as a sub-discipline in our industry is a thing, just like I believe AI is going to be. We just saw OWASP release the uh, top 10 um, AI kind of vulnerabilities or, or things to check. So this is really cool. I'm definitely looking forward to it. I mean, this is more interesting about this is coming. Uh, and I believe, you know, next week there'll be a story about what people discovered in this particular story. Um, also, I want to point out that, <clears throat> yes, if you're at DEF CON, maybe there's an opportunity for you to walk up and hack on something. But realistically, they have probably pre-screened these 150 individuals um, and, you know, and, and, you know, understood what they're doing and coordinated what they're doing and vetted them. Um, and we, we see this with other initiatives like, um, damn it, what's the, um, the one in Toronto? Uh, Pwn to Own, right? Pwn to Own, um, those security researchers are amazing and they can like break the new iPhone OS in 14 minutes. But it's like, it's not like they just walked in. And like it's a Rubik's cube, and they they like reveal the phone, and then you get to go on it. Like these people have been working on concepts and attack techniques leading up to that event, and I would suspect it's like this too. But we'll see, we'll see. I'll take a picture or two 
from the village today and let you guys know. Trojans targeting Mac OS users. Threat actors are becoming more efficient at targeting Mac users through Mac OS tailored malware, according to Bitdefender's Mac OS Threat Landscape Report. While Apple's ecosystem still experiences a narrower range of threats than other popular operating systems like Microsoft Windows and Google's Chrome OS, the researchers warned that this false sense of protection often means malware tailored to infect Macs is better suited to its goals. The report found that Mac users were mainly targeted by three key threats in 2022. Trojans, potentially unwanted applications, PUAs, and adware, with Trojans making up over half of threat detections. All right. <laughs> hey, do me a favor. Open your email, click new message, type in your executive team's names, and get ready to send them an email because historically, Windows Shop companies, the executives, they're like, yeah, I'm going to need an I'm going to need a MacBook cuz I'm hip. Uh so guys, it's here's the deal. I won't spend a terrible amount of time on this story. Uh, I almost I almost have like a canned response for Mac OS stories. Mac OS is just a flavor of Linux. Linux isn't vulnerable, invulnerable to malware. Back in the day, there was just less of it because it had less of a market um, population. Uh, so threat actors weren't wasting their time writing malware for it. But now it's huge and VIPs are running Mac. So yes, there is a juicy... Um, reason it's it's like not big game hunting but like you know there, there's a, there's a reason to spend the time energy and effort to develop malware to attack these particular things uh so this is one of those ones where you can advise your apple population you know i i joke that it's the vips but there are other people and by the way i'm a huge 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 advocate of championing best information security practices for individuals personal lives because if you can change people like with all due respect let's be real here people care about themselves right and when you think about like oh my business versus my family people are going to care about their family like there's nothing wrong with that right you can still care about your business but people care about themselves and their you know maslov's order of needs or whatever so if you can present actionable best practices, cyber hygiene, and um, good cyber behaviors and apply it to them in a personal way, they're more likely to resonate and adopt those best practices and behaviors. So <clears throat> a lot of people might run Windows at work, but then they have Apple products at home. So if you advise them that this is out there, maybe they're more likely to, uh, you know, I guess be receptive to what you're telling them. Um, they said Trojans are number one, um, you know, potentially unwanted apps and mal in adware all of it is just malware it can come in various forms of ways initial infection so phishing email malvertising um clicking on stupid links um you know downloading cracked versions of like the new spider-man movie dumb stuff sticking in malicious usb drives what whatever it is infections can happen all sorts of different ways so you shouldn't you should really be educating your users on how to not get infected, um, but just know that Apple is, uh, you know, th th there's there's data here, right? This is kind of a roundup story, so I'll I'll actually provide this in chat. This is like a roundup story. Um, it's not like anything specific happening today. It's just a roundup story. All right, I do like leaning back, but I feel like it's unprofessional and inappropriate, so I have to sit up. Although, oh, guys. And now, a word from our sponsor, Conveyor. 
We can all agree there's one thing the AI bots can take from us. Completing customer security questionnaires. That's why we built Conveyor's GPT questionnaire response tool. It auto-generates precise, accurate answers to entire questionnaires with accuracy far superior to existing tools on the market. It's so accurate, your customers can now use it in our new Upload Questions to Trust portal feature. It's exactly as it sounds. Customers can upload questions and the AI will generate instant answers based on your Trust Portal content. Try a free proof of concept with your own data and see why top SaaS companies are making the switch from outdated RFP software and other portal solutions. You can learn more at www.conveyor.com. That's C-O-N-V-E-Y-O-R.com. IRA. Right, hold on. Trying to sneak a coffee in here. All right, guys. <clears throat> if, it, if it's your first time here, welcome to the show. I see a couple first-timers. <clears throat> Just mods doing it. Let me, I got to pour this coffee water. All right. It's an 80% solution, guys, but it's the coffee I want. Plus, we got a super chat from Mr. James McQuiggan that I do want to address. Oh, my gosh. Here we go. Okay. So, a couple things here. One super chat from James McQuiggan coming in. Thanks, James. Uh, feeding off the Mac OS bit. James dropping a, um, a joke of the week. So, let's do this. Um, did you know that Adam and Eve were the first to own a computer? It was an Apple. Low one memory, one byte, and the whole thing crashed. LOL. Absolutely. Here's your pizza money, uh, Jerry. James, you didn't have to give me the, um, pay me back for that. But definitely thank you, James. And Did we just become best friends? Yep. Definitely uh, genuinely appreciate uh, the super chat and the support. Uh, we will get into Grayson's joke of the week in a second. If it's your first time here, you may not know this, but we do this every show. All right, guys. Want to take a hot minute and thank all of you for being here. How many how many beautiful people do we have in chat right now? 283 of you gorgeous people. Thank you so much for choosing to spend part of your day with the Simply Cyber community. I, on behalf of the whole community, I genuinely appreciate it. I hope you're getting value from the stream this morning. If you are getting value, whether it's entertainment value from James McQuiggan's sick dad joke, or educational value from the uh, from the news stories themselves. Do me a favor. The best way to contribute and be part of the community and help the stream is to take a second and hit the like button. I know it sounds contri contrite for a YouTuber or whatever content creator to say hit the like button, but here's the deal: if you hit the like button. It's basically going to trigger the YouTube algorithm to tell other people searching for cybersecurity content that we, cybersecurity people, like this content, and then they will bring more people in. It's how we grow the community. So if it's your first time, it may be because yesterday we all hit the like button. If it, you're a long time, then you know that the community has grown month over month, year over year, and it's because of doing things like this. So please do uh, your part and help others discover Simply Cyber. I want to thank the stream sponsors again, Barricade Cyber and Panopsi Security, but also Anti-Siphon Training. Anti-Siphon Training, they are here at DEF CON, so be sure to say hello to Deb and Jason if you see them. Anti-Siphon Training is a phenomenal training company in the cybersecurity space, and what I want to call your attention to is their pay-what-you-can training. This is literally courses that are appriced at whatever number you want you literally at checkout get to put in the number you want to pay you can't afford any t money right now no problem they got you covered you're having your business pay for it and you got a 300 um 
training voucher and you got to spend it in one place and you want to support Black Hills and an anti-siphon, drop a 300 spot. And the more you pay into the pay what you can, it does unlock like cyber range things and other resources. So it's not just uh, all about the money, but I, I want you to know I've taken some of these classes. I will be taking more of these classes as we get into Q4 of 2023 uh, because I'm going to have some more free time to do things for the community anti-siphon training there is a link in the description below at a minimum i recommend you click on the link in the description below and then bookmark it under your infosec training subfolder okay every single day we do the simply cyber community challenge i want to say shout out to the folks in the challenge i got to remember who currently has the baton so if you give me a minute um let's see who's got the who's got the baton Give me a second. Oh my God. I, mods, I, I forget who has the baton. I'm all sorts of out of sorts today. And you know, Steve Mount. Oh yeah, thank you, Jenny. Okay, so Steve Mount, I haven't had a chance to go on LinkedIn and see it, but yesterday Steve Mount had the Simply Cyber Community Challenge. He went on LinkedIn and posted his cyber story and used the hashtag Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Now this hashtag right here, go on LinkedIn and search for it. Steve's about to tag somebody with the baton. They're gonna do the same thing today. Here's the benefit. If you are looking to build your LinkedIn network and actually curate your LinkedIn feed so it's actually valuable and supportive, cybersecurity focused, if those are what you're into, Go search for that. Connect with the people who are posting and commenting. Comment yourself so you get caught up in that slipstream like the Peloton and watch what happens. I'm telling you, I know it sounds silly, but I'm telling you, it will work. I've had multiple people tell me how successful it's been. Please do yourself a favor. If you want to like basically hack it, um, get on that, okay? All right, I'll look forward to that. It is Grayson's joke of the week. I will say Grayson told me a joke, but I, like he told me on Tuesday and I forgot. I'm sorry, Grayson, if you're watching this, but I do have a pinch hit joke that I feel is right on, right on Grayson's uh, wavelength here. So what kind of cats like living in water? Now, Cat, G cat GPT in chat right now knows a thing or two about cats. But the question is, what kind of cats like living in water? All right, I will tell you what kind of cat's like living in water. An octopus, an octopus, an octopus. Thank you so much, Grayson, for sponsoring the Friday joke of the week and James McQuiggan for the pinch it dad joke uh, regarding Mac computers. An octopus, you know, like a pussycat, pussycat. All right. It is a little silly, but thank you, everybody. Uh, I see people in chat. Definitely, definitely appreciate it. All right, let's keep going, and we can round out and do some jawjacking at the end. All right, here we go. This confirms takedown of Bulletproof hosting provider. Oh, Google yeah. Link. Bulletproof, baby. A popular Bulletproof hosting platform was taken down by authorities in the U.S. and Poland this week, marking the latest effort to limit the anonymous access cybercriminals have to critical tools. Other participants in the operation were the U.S. Attorney's Office for the Middle District of Florida and the Computer Crime and Intellectual Property Section of the Department of Justice, the agency said. There was also substantial assistance by two Polish authorities. 
Lolek Hosted is a widely used bulletproof hosting provider based in the UK that has operated since 2009, operating from a data center in Europe. Wow. Okay. Attackers. First of all. Regulators! <clears throat> Mount up. All right. So, guys, you know, like, just, you know, it's not on the same level as an infographic, but I do love uh, these police seizures, Interpol, Europol, you know, cross-agency uh, collaboration. Um, I had not heard of Lolek, but I have mentioned on the stream before, Bulletproof hosting is basically infrastructure, backend infrastructure for, like, C2 or data exfil hosting, stuff like that. Um that is less likely to be taken down uh, very easily by law enforcement, okay? Because think about it, right? Like the dark web. It's not like the dark web is like servers, like somewhere, somewhere there's physical servers, physical hardware hosting dark web stuff, right? It's not like it's a separate, it's not the metaverse. This isn't a Marvel movie where there's like dark web metaverse and like regular light web metaverse. And the two don't interface unless you have like Doctor Strange's green, you know, Soul Stone or Time Stone or whatever it is. Okay, so, but the 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 appeal of bulletproof hosting is that threat actors can pay and get their infrastructure hosted. And as we talk about David Bianco's Pyramid of Pain, infrastructure is higher up, right? Like it, it's like I think it's like the second tier on the Pyramid of Pain. So if you knock out their infrastructure, it totally sucks and it disrupts everything. Now. Having said that, I had not heard of Lolek. What I do find wildly interesting about this particular story is that it's been in business since 2009, and it's been in the UK. That makes, there's got to be, there's something here that I'm not understanding. There is no way, like I would, okay, so I'm going to like, either plead ignorance or say that there's something confusing about this story that it was either misreported or inaccurate. I, I want to get more information on this. There's no way that bulletproof hosting is existing in a five eyes country since 2009, like 14 years of bulletproof hosting in a five eyes country. That doesn't make sense to me. Um, I, and I'm open to chat. If you guys have a thought, um, I'd be curious, but that's just wild. Um, secondly, um, FBI took it down. I love this domain has been seized. Um, I went to B-Sides Charleston in 2022, and the keynote, I think it was a key keynote, yeah, was um, the FBI agents who were involved in the takedown of the Emotet infrastructure, Emotet 1, before it rebranded or redeployed. And it was fantastic and phenomenal. And the level of effort that the FBI went into before they get to, like, this part. Like, when this part happens, they've already done all the research. They already know the players. They know where they're physically located. It's coordinated on the attack uh, or on the takedown and stuff like that. So this is, like, the final step of the takedown. In fact, sometimes they actually take it down and then run it as the admins for a little while in order to collect information on the users of the site. And then they do this, right? So um, this this is definitely at the end of a very long investigation, I would no doubt guess. Um, so, you know, I love it. Um, I'm confused. What, like, again, the IRS is confirming this. I mean, I know the, like, why the IRS? Um, you know what I mean? Like, hold on.
this doesn't make any sense. Like, uh, even like again, like there's all this story is all sorts of wrong. Like, the, it says IRS. Um, Lolek hosted website showed a banner from the FBI and IRS. Well, I see FBI and Department of Justice, which makes sense. Here's IRS CI. I don't know why the IRS is involved with this, um, unless the bulletproof hosting was somehow involved in um, like tax fraud or something. I don't know. I again, I don't read these stories or research them in advance, so. This story is confusing me in a couple different ways. I'm definitely um, interested in learning more about this particular story and understanding why. Um, but you can see it's it's you know the regular players. A Russian national was handed a five years. Oh wait, this is like um, this is related kind of case study around this. Um, Sites heavily featured in informational articles about anonymous hosting platform. Yeah. Anyway, okay. Sorry, everybody. This this story. This story is light on detail and confusing me in a couple different ways. <laughs> Catch EPT is saying they went they went Al Capone on this one and got him for not paying taxes on their ill-gotten gains. All right, we could talk. I, I'd be interested in kind of talking about this. Um, in jawjacking. Yeah, Nick Dowd, I agree, a US-based company, but this isn't a US-based company. I mean, this was a hosted in Europe, in the UK, and offering infrastructure services like in a business-to-business model. So I again, I don't know why. I mean, I get why the Department of Justice would be involved because in and, and the FBI, but I don't know. Use evil proxy phishing kit to take over executives and Microsoft 365 accounts. Proofpoint, which released a report on the incidents on Wednesday, said the attacks exhibited both the prevalence of prepackaged phishing-as-a-service toolkits as well as the increased bypassing of multi-factor authentication to gain access to accounts. In all, Proofpoint observed the targeting of more than 100 organizations with evil proxy, with 35% of the compromised accounts being MFA-enabled. More than one-third of the accounts belonged to C-level executives, including CEOs and chief financial officers. Yeah, obviously. Okay, so this is, I mean, this is, you know, spear phishing 101, right? Like LinkedIn, I mean, in 2023, it's, it's not that difficult to find who is the CFO of, you know, Nicole Hewitt Manufacturing. It's it's not that hard to find out that Raymond Cruz Transportation CFO is this person or CEO is this person. Okay, in fact, for Christ, I'm sorry, sorry Kennedy, um, for crying out loud, you know, data brokers, you can buy these lists, right? Like it's, dude, you can easily buy a list of the attendees list for like. Whatever CFO conference, I'm sure there's a conference for CFOs. I'm sure there's a conference for CEOs, right? You can buy those lists because what? Data is the new gold and people love selling themselves some data. So you can get these lists and then obviously using that knowledge, craft very specific, very targeted phishing emails and, you know, basically attack um, these executives, right? Um, Proof point is a really well-known uh, email security gateway platform. Obviously, they released a report on Wednesday. No surprise, Proofpoint had a major booth here at Black Hat. They released a report, so they have like a really cool demo or a talk talking point um, thing 
on the black hat floor about this. So this all makes sense. Like it's not uncommon for major vendors to release major reports in line with black hat. Okay. <clears throat> now they talk as a, as a phishing as a service. Um, I'm not familiar with evil proxy, but they go ahead and t detail it here. Uh, it uses an adversary in the middle technique, by the way, adversary in the middle is a 2023 version of man in the middle, uh, technique. It's just been rebranded for, um, inclusion. So it's, just so <clears throat> so people know, it's not a new term, okay? It's just, it's a rebrand. Um, and then they talk about, uh, between. is there an infographic? No, should have an infographic. Um, I want to know how it attacks MFA. So basically, CFO uh, John Bruno gets the email, clicks on a malicious link. Uh, they go to a phishing page that basically looks like an Office 365 page. Um it's going to be a reverse proxy to the... Okay, so actually... Okay, so here's the deal with evil proxy, okay? When you log into it, it allows um, it allows the person to steal your authentication token. So <clears throat> my understanding of this particular one, which really sucks, and it gets around... It gets around MFA because, listen, I click on the link. Hey, Jerry, like, you know, here's whatever. The, the Q4 orange orange juice report or whatever. And I'm like, oh, I got to read that. So I click on it. It looks like Office 365. Everything checks out. I type in my creds. I get challenged for MFA. I type in my MFA code. Then I get issued a session token that allows me to authenticate, um, you know, during my session. That's what they steal. And now they can open a, uh, a browser and log into your Office 365. Now they're in your email. Obviously, once they get in your email, uh, threat actors are going to do things like uh, set up a forward to address so they're getting your emails even if you change your password or terminate the token. Uh, a couple things I'll point out. One, this is a good opportunity to educate your end users. I do not suggest signing up for evil proxy and then demonstrating it. Um, <clears throat> it's enough just to do it. What I would tell you is the following things. Make sure that your... Um, I mean, this is targeting Office 365, so we'll stick with that. But make sure that your... Uh, email, right? If you're using online, uh, is it online exchange protection? Like whatever, the exchange that's in the cloud in Azure, make sure that the logs uh, on where these emails are coming from uh, are, you know, you, you have visibility over it. Make sure um, you can also see where people are logged in geolocation wise. So if I'm in Texas, right? And then all of a sudden I log in, quote unquote, log in or access my email from Romania, that should be a red flag. It's called a impossible travel kind of situation. But it's an indicator that you are accessing from two different locations. Because here's the deal. If a threat actor steals those authentication tokens because you fell for a phishing page um, using this evil proxy technique, the threat actor, wherever they physically are, their IP address, their their computer, like if they're going to pull down your data, your emails, it still has to route to them to wherever they are, right? You can't, they can't fake that. They can fake what they look like at the, you know, layers five, six, and seven of the OSI stack, but layers four, three, two, and one, they can't fake that unless they happen to be in the same building as you, right? Which is not really what the threat model is suggesting here. So... Oh, good. Yeah. Young Security says that they've implemented Proofpoint on top of OC365 and had a good experience. I will say also, I'm not uh, sponsored by Proofpoint or Microsoft. 
I also have worked in an environment where we had Proofpoint on top of O365, and I was very pleased with it. I thought, I think Proofpoint's an excellent email security gateway solution. Again, that's just my my personal experience with the with the tool, uh, but it's really good. The, the important thing is, guys, that MFA is not a silver bullet, okay? So you've got to be mindful of that, and you've got to educate your end users, because a lot of people think that MFA is a silver bullet. It's not. ET31 linked to recent industrial attacks in Eastern Europe. The threat actor, also known as Judgment Panda and Zirconium, has been linked to recent industrial attacks in Eastern Europe, according to the latest findings from Kaspersky Threat Intelligence. Their report highlights the threat actor's meticulous approach to crafting dedicated implants specifically designed for data collection and exfiltration from targeted networks and air-gapped systems in particular, and misusing popular cloud-based services like Dropbox and Yandex Disk to exfiltrate stolen data. The report highlights what sets APT31's activities apart being the calculated use of encrypted payloads, memory injections, and DLL hijacking to mask their actions. <clears throat> okay, here, you know, I mean, it's it, it's more of the same, right? So Kaspersky, I didn't see a Kaspersky booth here uh, at Black Hat. Doesn't mean there was one. The freaking business hall was gigantic this year. If you've been to Black Hat in the past, the, the business hall is like two x as big. Obviously, Black Hat's getting paid, getting that money. Great cash, homie. So uh, Kaspersky releases this report. This here's the deal. Like this is interesting, and I know we have an international audience here. But by and large, this is interesting, but from the sidelines for many of us, because this doesn't apply. This is a nation-state threat, sophisticated threat actor attacking OT systems in Eastern Europe. Okay, so by saying OT focus, we're already segmenting a, a good portion of our uh, audience out of the way. Then saying Eastern Europe OT systems, that's even a smaller population. So um, just be mindful. This is interesting. OT technology can get hacked. This APT31, they said it's Judgment Panda, which obviously uh, that's Mandiant's or FireEye's naming convention. And um, it's China, right? Like, <laughs> like that's the Panda designation is China. So they're saying that uh, China is doing this kind of espionage, um, deep-rooted um, data exfiltration using encrypted payloads and stuff like that. This is totally on brand for China's TTPs and espionage. Also, I want to point out TTPs, um, which are tools, techniques, and processes, I believe. I always get the TTPs wrong. Please chat. Uh, correct me if, if I'm getting it wrong. I think I am. But um, if you've been watching the show long enough or paying attention to industry long enough, you will start to see those TTPs. For example, China doing these like low and slow espionage focused objective, um, really complicated uh, cyber attacks. That's their TTPs. That's what they're doing, right? And then obviously there's like, you know, actual um, MITRE attack mappings of like how they do persistence and how they do initial infection and stuff like that. That's all there. But this is what I'm talking about with TTPs, tactics, tools, and processes. Thanks, Marcus Seiler. And thanks everybody else. Um, and procedures. All right. Tactics, tools, and procedures. But this is this is what I'm talking about. This is how they can do that kind of attribution. Um, so TLDR, if you want to work in OT, you know, definitely check it out. Oh, I want to say shout out to Peter. Um, I forget his last name. I'm sorry. It's it's it, it. He's he's from Denmark. I had lunch with him yesterday. Wicked good guy. Um, he's an OT guy. Works on wind. 
wind turbines. Um, interesting dude. I'm, he, I'm going to bring him on to Simply Cyber Live. Oh, uh, remind me of jawjacking. I've got like a million guests lined up for Simply Cyber Live based on my conversations around here this week. So stay tuned for that. But anyways, uh, OT story, Kaspersky reporting on it. It's interesting. OT is difficult to protect. We can do a whole show on OT, ICS, and why it's so hard to protect. But uh, just be mindful of that. Tampa General Hospital sued over data breach. The law firm of Morgan & Morgan has lodged a class action lawsuit against Tampa General Hospital on behalf of three victims affected by a significant data breach. Between May 12th and May 30th of this year, cybercriminals infiltrated Tampa General Hospital's computer system, pilfering PII and HIPAA data belonging to approximately 1.2 million patients. The plaintiffs contend that Tampa General Hospital not only failed to secure their personal and medical data adequately, but also exacerbated the situation by delaying the notification of victims until July 19th, over two months after the initial breach. Okay, a couple things here. Uh, really quickly, uh, James McQuiggan uh, confirmed it's Peter Frokjar. Uh, wind turbines, renewable energy strategy expert, also really good guy, also James's old boss. Um, so, you know, <laughs> hearts and prayers go out to Peter. <laughs> uh, and no, Alana, I, I have yet to bump into Jen Easterly. Um, you know the emote where it's like the smiley face and it's like melting into a puddle? I think that that would best describe me if I bump into Jen Easterly. I'm going to try to be cool, but... Uh, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, such a nerd. I'm going to have to have somebody else from the community talk to Jen. Like, <laughs> I'm like, you know that Chris Farley segment where he's like interviewing Paul McCartney? He's like, you know that time you were in the Beatles? That was cool. I'm going to be like, Jen, you remember that time you were director of CISA? <laughs> that was cool. <laughs> She's like, nerd. All right. All right. So check it out. Tampa's General Hospital uh, sued over data breach. A couple of things here. One, um, yeah, it sounds like this hospital suffered a data breach. They sat on it for a little while, uh, up to two months. Obviously, there's a HIPAA violation going on here. They may not have said the word. Um, oh, thanks, James McQuiggan. Yeah, I, I'm just like I'm just like cruising around DefCon, like just walking up and down the hall, like doing hot laps, <laughs> waiting for Jen to like appear. Um, so check it out. Um, whether or not, there's probably more to this story. They were doing the investigation. Obviously, um, somebody at Tampa made the decision not to disclose this breach. I don't know if they were trying to do damage control. In 2023, healthcare data breach and privacy uh, is pretty well defined. HIPAA came out in 1996 uh, or 2003. I, I get it confused. I think maybe, I get HIPAA and FISMA confused. I think HIPAA was... Um, 2003 and FISMA was uh, whatever it's been around for 20 years okay that's the TLDR here so don't mess around with it I, I I am not opposed to these victims going after Tampa but what I will say is and I don't know if this makes me a bad person and chat you know if you want I'll run a poll and get people's thoughts on this but like it's three people this law firm is lodging a class action lawsuit on behalf of three victims affected by the data breach. And I'm not saying that they aren't victims, and I'm not saying what Tampa did was okay, but what I am saying is it's a little, I don't know, I feel like law firms going for class action lawsuits is, it's like the new 
um, like injured, injured at work, or were you involved in a car accident? We get our uh, clients like, you know, seven figures like, oh, I called Morgan and Morgan and I got $1 million for my fender bender, right? It's like, like these data breach lawsuits are the new that. Um, again, I'm not, yeah, straight cash, homie, right? Straight cash, homie. So I don't know. Maybe that makes me a bad person. Um, all right. Thank you, L. Scott Munoz. Uh, HIPAA uh, was mid-90s. All right. So we'll see. Um, I'm looking at the details. Um, they failed to secure their personal and medical data adequately. I don't know about that, guys. Like, here's the thing. You cannot secure data 100%, okay? Like, there is always risk. There's always risk to data. I don't care how freaking much budget you have. I don't care how awesome you are at information security. No matter what you do, no matter what controls you implement, there will always be some residual risk, right? So, again, I'm not defending Tampa General Hospital. Maybe they had gross negligence. Maybe the CISO there was like, YOLO, I'm spending my budget on, you know, um, you know, a boat or like, we're going to, we're going to Vegas, baby, taking the whole team and we're renting it like, uh, you know, a luxury penthouse on the top floor. That's what I'm doing with my budget. So it could be gross negligence. My point here is though, is that hospitals and healthcare, they're getting popped by ransomware all over the place. They, they, you cannot secure things 100%. So they're, they're going to have to make a pretty compelling argument, these lawyers, on why, if it was um, not sufficient uh, security. And then on top of it, they talk about, um, what else did they talk about? They had a breach in 2014, so like nine years ago. Come on. Um, Anyways, we'll see. Hopefully, it doesn't set a precedent. This won't be the first time that a hospital or healthcare provider has been sued by lawyers regarding data breach violations. So this isn't gonna like tip the scales on some new some new um, um, concern that we have to have as businesses. But I do want to point out cyber insurance. Yes, cyber insurance. Um, if this hospital does get sued. Just like they would get sued for malpractice if, like, a, a, a doctor, like, left some scalpel inside somebody after a surgery. Uh, cyber insurance would help cover these financial penalties if, in fact, a court rules in favor of the, the, um, the, the, uh, the, the class action lawsuit, okay? And then everybody who's affected by the class action lawsuit can get their 37-cent check in the mail, and then the law firm will get their money, which is in the millions Great probably. Cash, homie. I, I, class action lawsuits really piss me off. It's like it's like a it's like a sore spot for me. A reminder to join us later today at. All right, so that's gonna do it. That's gonna do it for today's news. Um, I want to remind everybody uh, that if you are around in Vegas today, whether you live here locally or you're here for the conference, I will be at Abel Baker Brewing at 3:30 p.m. local time today. Um, for the Simply Cyber Community Meetup. So I, I'd love to meet some of you. I know many of you, um, you know, have engaged with each other. So it's not, it, it's just, it's an opportunity for us to get together, meet in real life, have a couple uh, beers, have a couple laughs. Um, no pressure on the beers, right? I'm sure they have water and other options there. Um, I've, I've got base cases pr provided me with like this really cool Simply Cyber flag. I was thinking if people are into it, I wanted to do like a team photo 
with the flag um, just to kind of memorialize the event. Um, so if you can make it out there, definitely cool. I'll be there until 5 p.m. Uh, and then I, I'm going to leave and go um, do some other stuff. But definitely looking forward to it. Yeah, BSAC, wish you were here too, buddy. I wish I wish you were all here, honestly, <laughs> frankly. Um, all right, guys. So if you were here just for the news, take off. Be good. We'll see you on Monday back in the main studio, uh, 8 a.m. Eastern time. I hope you enjoyed watching the sunrise here in Vegas. That's what we're up to here. Now it's time to pivot into jawjacking. Give me a second. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Jaw Jack. In the segment after the Simply Cyber Daily Brief, where we just kind of hang out, kick it, I give you a full screen. I'll bring chat up on screen in a second if you guys want. I'm looking at chat right over here. I kind of wanted to do this view just so you guys could see like the entire, um, the entire window and stuff like that. But let's do some jaw jacking. Um, all right, so. Let's see, uh, Jesse's saying jaw jacking's good. ADHD, it's all high time, high time, all at all time high. Having such FOMO. Guys, I gotta tell you, 100%, if you are having FOMO, um, oh, and Sublime, Sublime Ghost got the baton, excellent. Thank you, Sublime Ghost. Um, if you're having FOMO for not being here, completely, completely um, understand and identify with you. Um, you know, my flight got delayed 30 hours and I was watching the things come in. I had a bunch of uh, plans for Tuesday that obviously I had to cancel and I was seeing, you know, posts on social media and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm right there with you guys. I empathize. I hope you can make it out here. It is, you know, it, it, we can do a lot virtually, but I am telling you, there are certain connections. There's certain things that just organically happened at Black Hat and or DEF CON that it's hard to say. Like, like I had lunch with Peter Froger yesterday and I, I wouldn't have met him. I wouldn't like, it, I would never have encountered him. I would have never run into him. And now he's a really nice guy, really interesting guy. Um, I had a beer with him. He's gonna come on Simply Cyber Live and maybe it'll blossom into, you know, something bigger. And now, now we, Simply Cyber community members, we have an OT wind turbine guy, right? So if we ever have some wind turbine, you know, questions or actions, we got, we got a guy, right? So just stuff like that. Um, all right, so let me know. Um, guys, let me know in chat, honestly. Let me know, because this is a community thing. Do you want chat on screen? Let me know if you want chat on screen. Um, let, me, let me start a poll. Uh, chat on screen. Hold on one second. I just because I, I, I want to make this fun for everybody, okay? I just don't know if people are into it. Here we go. Chat on screen. Just no. Let me know. All right. Um, okay. A couple people voting. All right. So, questions coming in. Haircut Fish wants me to know if I saw Chris Angel. Not yet. Not yet. But that's okay. What I, what I will tell you guys is this is crazy, okay? This is crazy. I've been staying at Luxor. Luxor is connected to Mandalay uh, by like this little concourse thing. I literally have not been outside since CJ dropped me off at the front 
desk of Luxor on Wednesday morning. Like literally, I've I haven't been outside. I haven't breathed non-filtered air since since whenever. In fact, I was supposed to go to uh, I don't know if you guys remember, but like Nahamsek was on stream with me a couple weeks ago. And he invited me to like some uh, bug bounty YouTube content creator uh, party thing, right? They were gonna have the party and then kick everybody out and do the poker. They invited me. I got invited to that. I had the, the you know the secret code or whatever, and it was at Caesars, which is like you have to take a car to go to. And I was like wicked tired yesterday, right? I had dinner, um, which was like a networking dinner, and. Uh, like I was like oh my god I'm like beat and like the idea like I would have loved to have gone there but the idea of getting in the car and driving away from where my bed was was like it's just too much so you know basically I'm leaving the house that I'm leaving the house I don't live here this is Luxor I'm, I'm leaving the building today and I'll be out and about at Black uh, Defcon but I haven't left so it's crazy um when implementing a GRC framework, at what stage do you perform a gap analysis? Okay, so Leon, if you're... Hold on one second. Uh, let me let me end the, the poll here uh, and see what... Oh, yeah, no walking in the heat. All right, so people want uh, chat on. Okay, we'll do that. All right, there's, there's chat right there. Let me take a pull off the coffee, and I'm going to show you, Leon Elliott, what's up. Oh yeah, I had a session with David Spark yesterday, the guy who produces the the CISO series podcast that we listen to. I had like a 30 minute, I sat on a stone wall with him, but hold on, to answer Leon Elliott's question, look at this, watch this. All right, this is the NIST 837 risk management framework. It's a little dated. It's got all, it's all iHeart NIST, right? Um, oh, hold on, we got a super chat coming in from Thomas Forbes. What's up, Thomas? I just started your GRC masterclass alongside Google CyberCert. Is there anything I should do to break into cyber from fast food? Yeah, so um, Thomas, like congratulations. First of all, uh, let me just tell you, Thomas. First of all, thanks for the super chat. Second of all, you're here right now at this podcast okay so that's like huge right like being here networking with the other 219 people in chat doing the right things um taking the grc course certainly going to help you the google cyber cert i can't speak to that right now but i will tell you i have a video i have a video for that that's like my favorite thing to say i have a video for that on retail to cyber and i would consider fast food retail right so go watch the retail, the cyber video, keep doing what you're doing. And then the other thing I would say, um, I, exclamation point book. Let me see, is that the exclamation point book in chat? Is it, did I have that configured yet? Give me a second, watch Thomas, um, if my bot responds to this. Yeah, so Thomas, you see the uh, night bot came up <clears throat> with this um, URL, this book right here, this is free download. Literally, this is 10 steps, take them in order. It, it's like literally, it's not guaranteeing you a job, but this this book, just follow the 10 steps in it and you're going to optimize your um, 
optimize your chances of breaking in and the expediency with which you do break in. So definitely get that. All right, so Leon Elliott was asking about NIST or about this. So check this out. This is the framework, ready really quickly. Step one, what can, you know, like how secure do you need your system based on a host of things? Step two, pick your controls. Step three, implement your controls, all right? So after step three is when your system should be secured to some level of degree, right? Step four, this is where you assess or audit your controls. This is where IT audit happens and where you actually have a, um, a quasi-objective understanding of what your actual system and controls are. Because it's fine and dandy to say in step three, we're going to do all these controls. But when you actually try to implement them, you find out like, oh, I can't upgrade this thing or we can't patch that or that's got a, you know, it's a special snowflake, right? And then in between step four and five right here, this is where that gap analysis, that um, like in step four, you actually discover the gaps. Step four to five is where you do the gap analysis, which effectively will tell you what risks you have. And then the step five is like authorizing the system to be online. This is basically owning um, the system and owning the risk that you discovered during step four and a half. Uh, so to your to your question, this is where that gap analysis, risk analysis happens. All right, going back to chat here. <clears throat> you get the Green Juice brand name yet? No, I didn't. I didn't, Nicole. I, I will get that. Yeah, the uh, <laughs> the um, self-cleaning oven uh, drink. Yeah, I, I'll get that, Nicole. I, I have to add. Uh, here, I'll actually te te text Daedri right now and ask her really quick, okay? What was the name of that green drink I drank? I, I want to look it up. All right, we'll see if she replies. All right, um, can, can we talk more about the IRS story? Yeah, we can definitely do that. Let, let's let's dig in a little bit. You said IRS, but it, it's like the takedown, right? Of the bulletproof hosting, where is it? Bro, where are you? Where was it? Oh, here it is. Lolek takedown, okay? Um, yeah, hold on. Here's the website. Let's see. Yeah, IRS is there. Okay. Um, so there was substantial assistance by Polish authorities. Um, an IRS spokesperson confirmed that the takedown was an official seizure notice. Yes, yes, yes. Um, bulletproof hosting services explains that. U.S. authorities have made a point of going after people behind bulletproof hosting. Absolutely. And now they give background stories. Like, there's no explanation here on what, how the IRS was involved at all. I don't I don't get it. Here, I'm going to turn up my light a little bit. Oh, hold on. Yeah, look at this. Get some light. All right. Yeah, so um, I'm not sure, Mark, is what you want to talk about with the IRS story. It does not make sense. Here, I'm going to Google something really quickly. All right. I mean, it, it's a lot of people just reposting. Let's see. Um, all right. And then I'm going to search for the word IRS. IRS. Um, and it's, uh, yeah. I mean, there's no explanation here on, like, how the IRS was involved. I'm, that's why I'm telling you. It seems weird. Like, the IRS typically does not get involved with these type of things. 
So maybe IRSCI. Like, hold on, let me look at what IRSCI is. All right, so the IRSCI is the Criminal Investigation Unit, and they look into tax fraud. You know, maybe you guys are right. Maybe, maybe the way that they were able to penetrate the bulletproof hosting and get after them was through um, lack of paying taxes. But again, this was a UK-based, um, you know, like the United States wasn't involved with this. I'm sure they lent resources because we have lots of resources, but I just, I don't know. It seems weird. Um, Taylor McDonald says, IR agents can investigate non-tax related crimes, though it's a small percentage of their cases. Yeah. Um, Yeah, it's, it's weird. I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure, honestly. So, Marcus, I'm not sure if you got uh, things. Um, who did I meet from Team Replay yesterday? Oh, so I met... So I met... Um, I told you guys yesterday on stream, I met a guy named uh, David who is uh, like a higher up at R1 in Dallas. Uh, he runs their IAM program. Love it. I met a guy yesterday, okay? So I'm sitting on a stone wall talking to David Spark, and a guy looks up at me, and he's like... And then he, like, turns to his buddy and says something. So I'm like, okay, I think this guy recognizes me. And then he, he like, stands up. He's like, Jerry. And I said, yes, hi. And he's like, I want to thank you. Um, you got, like, you got me my job in cybersecurity. Like, you know, I, 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 I watched your content. I watched your videos. I did the things, and I got a job in cybersecurity. And I'm like, awesome, dude. Like, that's, I'm super happy for you. Like, I shook his hand. I'm like, thank you. I'm like, are, do you watch, are you still part of the community? Do you watch, you know, the morning briefings? <laughs> and, you know, I appreciate his honesty. He's like, no, 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 no. He's like, I, I just, once I got the job, I, I, I stopped. He's like, I didn't, you know, I didn't need Simply Cyber anymore. I'm like, all right, like, you know, respect. <laughs> but like, so I guess there is a section of people who, you know, leverage the resources at Simply Cyber in order to get their job in, in cybersecurity and then they, you know, move on, which is which is fine. That's totally cool. But uh, I do want to say shout out. I think he works for TikTok. He gave me a hat. He gave me a TikTok hat. His name was Ajia. So what's up, Ajia? Oh, my God, BSEC. No, I'm not famous. Um, all right. Let's see. Simply Cyber, how far is DEFCON from Luxor Hotel? Well, Frank... DEFCON is at the Caesar Promenade, which is like where that huge Ferris wheel looking thing is. Um, you could see it from here. Here's the thing, Frank, about Vegas that sucks, right? Like, it could be next door and it's like a 30 minute walk. Um, so I would probably say that DEFCON is, you know, a uh, half mile away from, from Luxor. But it, I'll have to take a, a car from here to there um, just because it's ridiculous. Plus, like, my leg hurts. Um, I, I, like, the bottom of my left foot feels bruised, so I started walking differently to kind of compensate so it didn't hurt walking. But because of that, now my left thigh has, like, a, 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 a strained muscle. So, anyways, yeah, hot mess express over here. Um question from leon when you're performing due diligence on third-party vendors and trying to implement user-friendly tools that are scalable where do you start 
Um, well, if you're talking about user-friendly tools for doing third-party vendor due diligence, like third-party risk assessments, um, that space has actually kind of grown. Um, for the longest time, it's been like a Word document questionnaire. Questionnaires are like the bane of everybody's existence. There are several vendors now in the space that have you know, listened that that's a pain point and they have automated solutions. I even think the sponsor for this week's CISO series podcast, Conveyor, I think that their solution is an AI, um, an AI solution that answers those questionnaires. Like you feed in exactly what your business looks like and then it can dump out those things. So for, as far as user-friendly tools go, Leon, it depends on what your budget is. Uh, and you know what you're trying to accomplish, but you know, there are several tools out there now that make, um, vendor risk assessments a little bit more, less painful, but can I just rant for a second? Like, okay, listen to me, third-party risk assessments, they're great and you do stuff, but here's my problem. Like, don't get way down into the weeds with like 150 question questionnaire, right? Stay at a high level with the basic critical ones. Like what's your... What you, what's your multi-factor? What's your ins, uh, information security awareness? What's your incident response capability? Do you have an infosec office? Like these type of things. These 140 question questionnaires piss me off because they get into like the deepest layers of controls. And yes, I get it. It's important. All the controls are important. But bro, it, whether or not we use a modem in our environment, is that gonna is is that gonna decide whether or not you do business with us? Is that the straw that's gonna break this whole deal's back? No, the business, the business is moving forward. And really, if you're gonna try to um, put an impediment or an obstacle in the way of that business deal, whatever it is, whether it's you know going with this cloud SaaS solution provider or agreeing to a merger or acquisition, it's the big things that are gonna stand out, not the little tiny ones. Plus. Like 140 question questionnaire. It's painful to the person filling it out. It's person to the, painful to the person who's got to read it. It it doesn't matter. Like I hate to say it, but it doesn't matter. Like questions like 70 through 140. You're not doing anything different. Like you're literally collecting data for the sake of collecting data, which is freaking annoying and a waste of everybody's time. So stop doing it. I, ugh, those questionnaires, man. Uh, B-Sex says he can't stand the questionnaire. Sorry, bro. I'm not going out. How it's not going in info uh, how our IP works. Exactly, dude. And there's no standard in our industry on how the questionnaires are. So you do business with like this one company and they're like, here, fill out this three question questionnaire. Then you're like, oh, all right. Like, you know, we're, we're going to get a couple quotes. So like, let's do business with this other one. And then they're like, here's a 150 page document. Fill it out and get back to us. And you're like, you suck. Like, no. Right? So, I, I hate that crap, man. Uh, so, Lyle Merton is saying, use the HECVAT one. I don't know what HECVAT is. Um, what is HECVAT? Let's check that out. HECVAT. 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 Higher Education Community Vendor Assessment Toolkit. All right. I see you, Educause. Um... Cool. Lyle Merton dropping um, dropping tools to the community. Thank you, Lyle. This is for higher ed, but I'm sure it's um, it's useful across different industries. I'll drop a link in chat. Thanks, Lyle. All right. Um, 
Um, oh, <laughs> thank you, uh, Kimberly. I agree. I have written more than one book. Um, all right. I'm just looking. What's the top temp today? What's the temp today? I don't know, Jeffrey. I literally haven't been outside for days. Um, <laughs> let's let's take a look. Let's take a look. Um, not, uh, today is 78 with a high of 99, low of 78. All sun, bacon in the sun. I figured, you know, when in Vegas, I mean, when when at a cybersecurity conference, you got to wear a black shirt. Although it's gonna be like uh, super hot. Uh, okay, continuing to look at chat. Um, did you get Bogo DefCon swag? No, I, I didn't, Gary. I haven't gotten any. Um, I actually feel terrible. Um, so I worked my butt off here at De uh, Black Hat. I didn't really get a lot of um, vendor merch. I usually get like some shirts for the misses, and I get some like baubles and toys for the kids i didn't get anything this year i i just like i'm literally here's the thing guys you know i've alluded to it i'm going to be like hey cameron with the uh squad membership thank you i've teased about it um a little bit and many of you already know this and i'm going to do a more formal um announcement or whatever you want to call it but like basically um i'm going to be a lot more doing a lot more starting in September with Simply Cyber and all the initiatives associated with Simply Cyber and all my, my teaching and the courses and all that, I'm going to have a lot more time, right? Read between the lines. But because of that, because I'm basically going to be uh, running my own business, um, you know, I, I had to meet with a lot of people at Black Hat and, t and, you know, talk to people and have, you know, certain conversations about certain things. So I was working um, Black Hat, basically. So unfortunately... I did not get uh, all the cool tools and baubles and stuff like that. <clears throat> uh, David Beard says it's changed so much since I lived there. Except the oh, we're talking about Vegas. Yeah. Uh, where's the link and the cost for my GRC course? Um, do we have an exclamation point course or something? Uh, the course is fifty nine ninety nine. Leon. Uh, I think I think course exclamation point course. Leon, it's it's fifty nine ninety nine. Um, I do run promotions periodically throughout the year, but I don't know when the next one is. If you go to simplycyber.teachable.com, I guess exclamation point course is not that one. I don't know. Uh, can somebody? Oh, thank you, Kimberly. Yeah, Leon, there it is. Okay. Um, thank you, Kimberly. Um, so many polos at the Black Cat side and lots of flat bills at DEF CON. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It is true, Jesse. Um, are you participating in the Trace Lab CTF tomorrow? No. So Dejoko asks about that. I have participated in the Trace Lab CTF at DEF CON last year or two years ago um, with a Simply Cyber team. Jess Bishop, Michael Fink, Base Case were on the team. We had a great time. If you... If you have an opportunity to do a Trace Labs event, it's freaking awesome. But I, um, I'm actually traveling back tomorrow on Saturday, so I will not be, um, I will not be there, unfortunately. But big, huge fan. I actually have multiple videos on the channel with Trace Labs. Produce videos on how to roll your own Trace Labs VM, as well as, um, I believe I. Uh, I did like an interview. Certainly I did an interview with the Trace Labs Simply Cyber team 
on. Okay. All right. Hey, I got to go. Um, <laughs> got to go. Um, it's 630. James McQuiggan, I will sort out with you. Um, oh, hold on really quickly. So JoJo asks a really important question. JoJo asks if I'm ever going back to 10 a.m. Eastern time. All right. Here's the deal. If you did not know this, um, I teach at the Citadel Military College. Um, and in the fall, it's, I have to teach in person at the college. And I love teaching the 8 a.m. courses because I like to do it first thing in the morning, get out of it, which obviously impacts the stream. Because of the community and because of continuity and because, you know, I'm going to have way more control over my schedule in September going forward, I have actually changed my teaching schedule to support the Simply Cyber community. So I will be 8 a.m. Eastern time every day. And on Tuesdays and Thursdays, there just won't be any jaw jacking because I have to end the stream and then get in my car and haul butt down downtown to teach. So my my course on in the fall semester, which actually starts in two weeks, um, will be at 9.30 a.m. to 10.45 a.m. So I'm going to do the stream and then I'm going to go teach. So that's what's up. 8 a.m. for life. That's right, Nick Barker. And I know that sucks for some of you West Coast people. Bro, I, I, I get it. I'm here. I'm here streaming at 5 a.m. I, I know the pain. In fact, that's part of the reason why I do a 5 a.m. stream uh, when I'm out here in Vegas. But it, just for the community, for continuity, for the predictability and consistency to be able to say it's always 8 a.m. Eastern time, I made that change, okay? Yeah, um, well, hey, Jeffrey says maybe Eric Taylor on jaw jacking. We could totally do that. Um, I have a second channel, the SC Cafe. So that's a second YouTube channel. The jaw jacking will happen on the SC Cafe once I get it up and running. So it's totally plausible that I end the stream on Tuesday. And if Eric wants to, he could run SC Cafe's jaw jacking segments on Tuesday, Thursday when I'm not teaching. I'll have to talk with him. That's a big commitment because that's twice a week. Um, you're welcome, Jess Bishop. So, hey, if you're still here, how many people we got here? If you're still here, I, I always do this where I have things that 186 of you, just so you guys know, I am I have already defined Simply Cyber's values as it is uh, seen by me. And I'm going to do a big live stream, basically like state of the union stream where because I, I see the Simply Cyber community effectively as my boss. So I'm accountable to you guys. So I'm going to be doing a big stream announcing, you know, the news about what's going on going forward after September. And I'm going to let you know what the values are for me and for the Simply Cyber. Um, so it's transparent and crystal clear um, what those values are and how I operate and those standards. And, in, in, you know, just a teaser, right? Like support, inclusion, these things are important. Um, okay, I got a boogie, though. Be good, everybody. Uh, thank you for everything. I'll see you on... Um, Monday morning, 8 a.m. If you have, uh, if you're at DEFCON, I hope you come to the meetup at 3.30 p.m. Eastern time at Abel Baker Brewing. I know CJ is going to be there. I know James McQuiggan's going to be there. I know Steve Hoyt's going to be there. Uh, a whole host of other folks are going to be there. I'm going to be there for sure. So uh, come on out. High fives. Team photo. We're going to have a good time. I'm Jerry. This is Simply Cyber, episode 428. Thanks so much. And we'll see you in the next one. 
everybody. I hope you enjoyed that content. Keep the cybersecurity train going by connecting with the other Simply Cyber community resources. We have the Discord server that's lively and always keeps the conversation going. You can connect with me directly on LinkedIn. And also every single weekday morning on the Simply Cyber channel, we're doing live daily cyber threat briefings, 8 a.m. Eastern time, as well as Thursday at 4.30 p.m. We're doing live stream interviews with industry experts, and we produce videos that we push out every Wednesday morning. I'm Jerry from Simply Cyber. I hope you enjoyed the content and we'll see you in the next one.